Praise the Lord, church. Sorry about that. Um, I will be reading from 1 John 5, 4 through 5. And it says, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. Uh, just thinking and looking upon this uh, scripture, uh, it brought up two, two men in the Bible, just right off the bat. Um, I, it, the first, I, f- I thought of Joseph and what went through his life. A couple things like uh, slavery. Uh, he went through prison and his, fun- his, his, well, his brothers uh, making fun of him at, at a young age. Um, if Joseph would have gave up on God's plan, he wouldn't have overcome any of those. He wouldn't have been second in command in Egypt. He wouldn't have been able to tell the dreams. <coughs> but with that being, but with him doing that, he overcame. He he is now known as, well, not, I'm sorry, excuse me, Egypt. Uh, <laughs> excuse me. Uh, uh, wow, I'm sorry. Joseph overcame those situations, and God used him powerfully. Another example is David. David had an affair with Bathsheba and then sent Uriah, the husband of Bathsheba, to be killed to cover up his shame. As you see, David was in deep sand. But Nathan came to David and said, you need to repent. So David did, but the child that Bathsheba conceived first died. Then David had the second child and and, and was Solomon. Solomon was known as one of the wisest men in the Bible. David kept his eyes upon God. David overcame that situation. Um, I just have one more. I'm talking, I will be talking about having peace in the Lord. Isaiah 41.10. It says, do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. Um, Just thinking about who I could use, um, I uh, thought of Jehoshaphat. Uh, in Second Chronicles chapter 20, there was a great multitude coming for him. Uh, and he got very scared and put himself in a place to seek the Lord and proclaimed to fast throughout all of Judea. Jehoshaphat said later in the chapter, We have no might against this great army, and neither do we know what to do, for our eyes are upon thee. <clears throat> then Jehaziel stood before Jehoshaphat and said, Do not be afraid nor dismayed, for the battle is not yours, but it is God's. And he also said, Ye shall not fight in this battle. Set yourselves and stand ye still. After this was said, Jehoshaphat bowed down with Judea and Jerusalem and worshipped. So the next day they began to sing and praise. The Lord set ambushes so that they would not die, and they did not. And, they, and, and the enemy did. Later on in the chapter, in verse 30, it says, So the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet, for his God gave him rest round about. There are many situations that occur faster than we can even blink. Just know that there is a God who gives peace in a time of battle, who, com- who comforts you when you're scared. Just have faith and pray that the victory will be yours. House of God tonight. Aren't you glad to be out in the house of God tonight? That's what I meant. This week has been absolutely crazy. I don't know about you, but my boss has been off like all week. And it's been insane in my office. We've been running around like banshees. I'm just kidding. We haven't been that bad, but 
it's been just crazy, and I'm very, very glad to be in the house of God tonight. It makes my heart very happy to be here with you tonight. So I believe that God gave me a word tonight, and it's been something confirmed in my spirit the last two sermons that Pastor has preached. So thank you, Pastor, for being the voice of God in my life. And it's been something that's been kind of compounding in my life um, for a time, and I think it's finally ready to kind of be shared. So tonight I'll be reading from uh, James 4, starting in verse 13. James 4 and verse 13, it says, Now listen, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go to this month, this city, this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why? You do not know, even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Before you're seated, I was wondering if we could say one more prayer together just over tonight and as we receive what God has given to me. Thank you, Jesus, for this opportunity tonight. Thank you, Jesus, for giving this word to me. Lord, I pray that you would anoint this message, Jesus, so that you would put your words in my mouth, Lord, that so I may speak your truth and your wisdom, Jesus. I pray, Lord, that we would all receive what you are wanting to do here tonight, Jesus. I proclaim all of these things, and I thank you for this opportunity once more, Jesus. We worship your holy name tonight. We worship your holy name. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, you may be seated. Tonight, I just, I want to talk about life. And Pastor, you said it just a minute ago. Life moves very fast. Life moves at a breakneck pace. And sometimes I can scarcely believe that a week has gone by, and sometimes two have. And I, life just begs you to focus on family and jobs and hobbies and anything else, but one thing life doesn't beg you to focus on is God. To let him hold a number one spot. Life likes to maybe shame you into doing things. Life likes to push you in a direction that you never intended because of perceived life goals brought on by the world, brought on by society. And if there's one person that I could think of that life was very challenging and hard and very different for would be Esther. Now, Esther, you could say, some, well, some would say that Esther kind of had it made in the shade because she was made queen, which is pretty cool. I mean, it's pretty cool. sounds great. And she was raised, but she started back as an orphan. And she was raised by her cousin, Mordecai. 
because her family had been taken from her. But I actually have a short, embarrassing story that I'd like to share about the fact of Mordecai and Esther. Okay. I had always heard, and Pastor, please tell me if I am wrong, if I'm reading this incorrectly, okay? But I always been heard, like I heard and was told that Mordecai was Esther's uncle. Like, that's what I always heard and understood. But as I was rereading this, Esther 2.7, it says, as, and Mordecai had brought up Adassa, that is Esther, his uncle's daughter. But I thought about that a little bit more. I'm like, wouldn't that make them cousins? So that's why I said cousin a second ago. <laughs> Again, tell me if I'm wrong. But I, I never thought about that. And it's just kind of a short, funny story about how sometimes you just miss things. <laughs> sometimes when you're moving so fast, when life's moving so fast, you just miss things. And it's kind of funny how when you reread things and redo all of that and reread your favorite stories, which is Esther is one of them, that you notice things that you missed before. I just thought it was kind of funny. But anyway, Esther was chosen to be queen. Right, we know this, because the king loved her more than all of the other women, all of the other young women in the city. After Mordecai discovered the plot to kill the king after Esther, Esther was made queen, Esther told the king of this report, and Mordecai was greatly praised. But Mordecai, he knew who he belonged to. He knew that he was a child of God, and he praised God. And he would not bow before anyone who was not the king or God. And Haman, the king's right-hand man, did not like that. No, he did not. <laughs> so instead of Haman going and talking to Mordecai when Mordecai didn't bow to him, he decided to go to the major extreme and say, I'm just going to destroy all of the Jews, every single last one of them. And when Esther hears and about this terrible thing that has been done to her people, I mean, she had kept her ethnicity a secret, um, like on charge of Mordecai. But she knew that she had to help. And she had that mindset, I have to help my people. Which is incredibly admirable since the king's track record of a wife, getting rid of a wife that disagreed with him um, is pretty over one. It's pretty spot on. But Esther knew that she had to help, no matter the cost. So she went to the king unannounced. And we've heard this story many times. We know that that was something that you did not do because going before him unannounced could mean your death. Even though it would threaten her life, she went before the king and the king spared her. She prepared this whole banquet in Haman, in the king's honor, and in the end, she actually failed the first time. She didn't tell the king of the plot to wipe out her people. She failed. She didn't tell the king of the plot, and she didn't do the one thing that could have prevented so much and save the lives of so many people. 
and she was just a little scared. But she plucks up the courage and says, come back tomorrow. Come back tomorrow and I will plan another feast. But this time, at this feast, she doesn't fail. She gathers up that courage knowing that God is with her and she tells the king of the plot against her people. And Haman is taken away for it. Esther's story is one of my absolute favorites. I just, I find her amazing. She was an orphan made queen, and she saved the Jews from the wrath of a prideful man who thought himself invincible. This incredible story shows us that we are going to make mistakes, and we're going to fail. It's going to happen. It's inevitable. But we know, when we know what we're doing, what's right, and that God is behind us, and we do not waste one more second to proclaim the truth and to reveal the God who has been working for our favor since the very beginning. Because we serve a God that gives us that second chance that, that Esther had. When we fall and when we fail, he is right there to pick us up, back up and say, try again. You got this. But I think if we're awarding a prize for the biggest failure in the Bible, that would be for Eve. Um, it's, the, it's the biggest mistake in the very beginning of the Bible. And I'm not trying to, to put down women because I just, I just picked these two stories. That's not what I'm trying to do. So don't take it that way, please. But Eve kind of, she kind of messed up. Um, it just all goes back to when Eve decided to, you know what, I'm going to eat the apple or whatever fruit it ended up being. Genesis 3, 6 says, So when the women woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Every single time I read the creation story, I just want to yell, no, Eve, what are you doing? You had it made. You were literally living in paradise, communing with God every day, and you decided, oh, you know what? I'm just going to eat this apple even though God told me not to. That was not a good idea. But then I think about it a little bit more, and I think, yeah, she probably shouldn't have done it, but if she hadn't, then we wouldn't have the relationship that we have now with God. It would be very different because that, that act of eating the apple or whatever fruit, I just go to apple, whatever fruit you want to make it, you can make it a watermelon, it doesn't matter. But it's so easy to blame everything on Eve because of she ate that fruit. But I think... I think a lot of us would have made the same choice. Because when temptation comes, it's hard to resist. But yes, Eve failed catastrophically. But we wouldn't have that relationship with God that we do now. So if it hadn't been for that apple, if it hadn't been for Eve, we wouldn't be 
here. And it set in motion that incredible plan to save the human race. It set in motion the plan for God's sacrifice. So when you think that you may have failed at life because you didn't do or accomplish something before you were 30 or 50 or whatever age, but God has our plan laid out perfectly. So who are we to mess with that? God knew that Esther would fail the first time, but he helped her to complete the task of saving her people, and he didn't hold it against her. God knew that Eve would take the apple, and in doing so would save the whole human race. Because it set in motion that story of sacrifice. So who are we to mess with that plan, or try to? And I can tell you who. We do. (laughs) All the time. (laughs) And I do, definitely, I try. But let me explain. As a human, we think that we know better. That's our flesh talking. We think that we know exactly how to get things done. But we, have just, we just have to get it through our, through our thick heads <laughs> that we do not know the whole picture. We don't know the whole story. <laughs> and like I said before, life is really short and it moves very quickly. We have failures, we have triumphs, but the world, it doesn't slow down for us. I, I kind of recently rediscovered that truth, that life moves so fast. And I mean, it feels like just yesterday I was going to my first day at Urshan it feels like just yesterday I, I got the phone call that my grandparents, my grandma had passed away. It feels like just yesterday I lost so much. And I faced loss and those troubles that seemed to cripple me at times. And I just keep thinking about the things that really mattered. Basically... <laughs> I keep having an existential crisis every time I open my eyes. Because I'm like, what am I doing with my life? What am I doing for God? What can I do better? What can I let go of? I just keep coming back tonight, back to that. And I'm, I'm going to get personal and a little vulnerable before you guys tonight, and I hope you're okay with that because it's a little late. This is already what I have planned. But I just like to share a little story. And I, I, keep, I, I keep saying this. I keep coming back to that thought of just life is short. Life is fleeting. It doesn't stick around for very long. And I, it feels like last week I started high school. It feels like every minute is a year. And it just won't slow down. I mean, I'm 23 now, but I feel like I'm 16 sometimes, and sometimes I look 16. People think that I am 16, but I'm not. I am 23, I promise. (laughs) But I I feel like I'm young, but I I feel like I'm older, and I'm just, 
I'm in a really weird place right now. <laughs> Told you I'm going to be vulnerable tonight. <laughs> I feel like I'm kind of stuck in a loop, and I kind of can't move on from that. I'm just kind of going in that circle. And it recently, I didn't really know that some of the feelings that I have been having of disinterest and just melancholy, like all of these things were actually symptoms of depression. I'm like, no, no way. I am not depressed. I am, there's no way because I'm too happy. And I'm like, I, no way, absolutely not. But in that moment when I was thinking those things, God said, hey, this is me getting your attention. These may look like symptoms of depression to the outside world. But this is me showing you something's got to change. I felt those words. It means I'm getting fed up with my own life. I'm getting fed up with my habits. My hobbies, you could say. And I was like, wow, okay. That makes sense. I've noticed within me how I used to be, like, well, one of those things that I, I am just so, I guess, infatuated with, you could say, is just social media. It's just part of my generation. We've, we've lived our lives online. And I s realized, not, I didn't notice this about myself until recently, but I noticed within me that I was obsessed. I was absolutely obsessed with Instagram and social media in general, like I, and I've slowly, I've started to get angry at it. I'm like, well, that's weird. I used to spend hours looking through Instagram and looking through Facebook, but now I can hardly stand to be on it. I'm like, hmm. And I don't know if angry is the right word, but I would just get annoyed, I would, be, I would become disinterested with what I was looking at. And it was hard, it, it's become harder and harder to spend any kind of time on it, which is a good thing. <laughs> and I'm becoming disinterested in the lifestyle and the culture that is social media. And if you don't believe that there is a lifestyle and culture with social media, you are wrong. <laughs> Living in a girl's college dorm for four years, whew, it's shown me that there is a lifestyle and a culture with, with looking the absolute best that you can look for that picture or for that story, Instagram story, Snapchat story, whatever you use. And I'm, I've become tired of trying to live up to those expectations. That I have to look a certain way, right, to get this many likes, to ha I have to make my life look like it's some grand adventure, which it can be, but my life is never gonna look like the perfect, quote, perfect lives of those that I see online. And most of the time, their lives don't look like that either. And I've 
become fed up with myself, how I worry so much about my hair and my clothing and how I portray myself online. I just, I'm tired of it. I'm getting fed up with myself. I'm already 23, like I said. And what do I have to show for it? What do I have to show for it? A couple hundred of friends online? I think it can happen in different ways for different people and person to person. But like me, we can get so focused, like laser focused on that one thing, obsessive over one thing, that everything else just kind of falls away. That even God gets put to a secondary spot. Because we can get so focused and try to align our lives with something else. And that is when we fail. And this is one of my failures. Sometimes you just need to be reminded that you were made for more. You were made for more than your life on social media. You were made for more than any of that. Psalm 90 and verse 12 says, So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. We were made for so much more than our careers. Made for so much more than our grades, our degrees. We are made for so much more. God called us to be leaders, disciple makers, But how can we expect to do that when we don't have our focus on the one who created us? Pastor, it's as if you knew exactly what I was going to say on Sunday, tonight. We're not promised tomorrow. Our next minute isn't promised. Our next second isn't promised. So why am I obsessing over something that is so temporary? I mean, Instagram stories are only twenty live for 24 hours. Why am I obsessing over something so temporary? Because, fun fact, Jesus is coming soon. Jesus is coming soon. And I have to keep this in the forefront of my mind. Otherwise, my mind is somewhere else. We have to remember that Jesus is coming soon. And when we have storms that come and throw everything off in our lives and derail everything, we can focus on the storm and cry, woe is me. But storms don't last forever. They're temporary. So instead of focusing on that one problem, that one thing, why don't we look to God instead? Because you know what he said to the storm. He said, peace Be still to that storm. And you know what that storm did? It went still. It stopped. All we have to do is keep our eyes on Jesus. Keep him at number one. And instead of like just obsessing over the temporal, focusing on the eternal. Instead of focusing on our failures, we can focus on our triumphs.
We can focus on the souls that don't know about eternity, who don't know anything about the Bible, who have never grown up in this. They may just know Jesus' name as a curse word because some people use it that way. Some people know it as an obscure reference that they just don't understand. But since this life is moving so fast, I have to number my days so I can spend them wisely. Because I know that we don't have very many left. And you can feel it in the air. You can see it in the sky. You can see it on the news everywhere. We don't have much time left. But if you could stand with me, I don't have much more to say. But Ephesians 5, 15 through 17 says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. I can't bide my time by sitting on a pew or saying someone else will talk to them about Jesus. We are called to do God's work. From the youngest to the oldest, not by me, not by pastor, but by God. The one who created the universe. The one who descended into hell and took back what was his. We have to seek the Lord. He knows that we're going to fail sometimes, so he helps us back up and he gets us back on the path to serving him. I mean, we have this incredible opportunity to live in the day and age that we are in. Some people might say that it's a curse to live in this day and age that we are in. But we were made for this time and this moment. We were given the experience that we have because we are able to reach someone in this time, in this moment. And in this time, we have that opportunity to serve others and to tell them about a God who loves them and died for them. It all starts with us. It starts with our hearts. And if our hearts aren't right, then it's all for nothing. It all starts with repentance and seeking after God. Matthew 7, 7 through 8 says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. We have to keep seeking. Our time is getting shorter, even as I'm standing here. Our failures may look like a door being slammed in our faces, but sometimes God opens a window. Seeking after him doesn't mean our lives are going to be easy, though. We know that. 
but it means that our lives will be aligned with his. We just have to keep seeking because when we seek, we're going to find him. We're going to find his face. And I just want to see his face. And when we find him for ourselves, then we will be able to share him with others. Because if we don't know him ourselves, then it's the blind leading the blind. God's peace is a game changer. God's love is a game changer. But we have to seek him to find those things for ourselves and for those that we will reach. My days are numbered, like I've said many times. My days are numbered. So when I feel that disinterested way towards my life, or you feel a disinterested way towards your life, it's time to seek God. It's time to fall in love with him again. If you can make your way to the altar tonight, I'd like for us to pray together. Because in order to find him, we do have to seek. To see what he has in store for our lives. So let's seek the Lord together tonight because we're not alone in this journey. (laughs) In Jesus' name.